today we can continue the series on the last days, the second volume. The first volume that we did uh, dealt with all of the key events revealed in Scripture that have already taken place in the earth and are currently taking place in the earth. In this volume here, we're dealing with uh, key events that will take place uh, shortly hereafter. And so we've um, touched on the key event of the two witnesses that have to be revealed into the earth prior to our Lord Jesus Christ returning. And uh, that, that particular event is made manifest to us in the book of Revelation. <clears throat> when um, the Apostle John was given that uh, vision by the Lord, showing him the, the end times. And so in the, um, the previous teaching, we dealt with certain aspects of the two witnesses. We said that um, the two witnesses are sent into the earth for two primary purposes. The one is to bring judgment on uh, the fourth kingdom um, during the reign of the Antichrist, because their ministry of the, the two witnesses will be uh, on the earth at the same time as the Antichrist in fact reigns on the earth as well, uh, from the, the temple that is. And then we said that the second and the, the primary purpose of the two witnesses coming into the earth is to bring Israel to salvation um, in Jesus Christ the Messiah. And so we said that they are in fact obviously the two comings of our Lord, the first coming um, when our Lord came to the earth 2,000 years ago to pray for our sins and the second coming is when our Lord will return to the earth to reign on the earth for his millennial reign. But prior to each one of our Lord's comings, uh, God the Father has sent Elijah, the prophet, prior to the Lord uh, returning to the, or coming to the earth to proclaim uh, that the Lord is, is about to come into the earth. Now obviously the first time our Lord came, it wasn't Elijah himself that came into the earth, it was John the Baptist in the spirit of Elijah we saw. And uh, we saw in both counts, and the second time when uh, our Lord comes back to the earth, it will be Elijah himself that will come back to the earth with a second witness. And we saw in the first count that when uh, John the Baptist was made um, manifest in the earth, that God sent him to prepare the nation of Israel for their coming Messiah. Um, and so John the Baptist was not sent to the Gentiles. And so we've also seen in, uh, in Scripture, basically, that uh, Elijah and the second witness, when they come to the earth um, to prepare for the coming Messiah, they will again be sent to the nation of Israel. They will not be sent to the Gentiles. And we said that by the time that they are, their ministry is made manifest in the earth, that the fullness of the Gentiles would have already come into the kingdom of God. And so there will be no more Gentiles that will be saved under their ministry. Their primary ministry is to bring Israel, the nation of Israel, into salvation um, with uh, the Messiah, Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so we said that um, in both instances, when Elijah is made manifest into the earth, the first time when our Lord came, and now the second time when our Lord is returned to the earth, that and I'm going to refer to Elijah because obviously John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah. Um, but in both instances, Elijah um, brought to a close certain ages. And so the first time that Elijah, uh, through John the Baptist, came into the earth, he brought to a close the law and the prophets. For our Lord Jesus taught us that the law and the prophets were until John the Baptist. Since that time, the kingdom of God is preached. And so we've now entered into the age where the kingdom of God is preached. And that's currently the age that we're in now. 
But when Elijah and Mo, well, okay, so then we're going to look at the second witness anyway. When Elijah and the second witness do come into the earth, um, the second time, they will bring to a close the kingdom of God being preached in the earth. For we said that after their ministry, there will no longer be a gospel of salvation that will be preached in the earth, because all would have then come into the kingdom of God. And the church would have reached her uh, full number and she would have uh, become the bride of Christ. And so that will draw to a close the proclamation of the gospel of salvation. And so just as when um, John the Baptist in the spirit of Elijah was made manifest in the earth, God brought to a close the, the law and the prophets. Now, when I say he brought them that the law and the prophets to a close, God, Jesus said it. He said the law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God is preached. Now, we understand that the Lord and, and law and the prophets are still proclaimed today because we've also, in this series so far, had a look at the fact that natural Israel is still under the old covenant. And so they still uh, adhere to the law and the prophets. Obviously, not completely. God's going to be dealing with them on that issue. But... Um, as far as the, the, the new covenant is concerned, whoever partakes of the new covenant, the old covenant becomes obsolete and falls away. And so when our Lord, well, when um, Elijah and the second witness minister in the earth, then the gospel of salvation, when they close their ministry, at the end of their ministry, uh, no more will the gospel of salvation be proclaimed in the earth because all who um, had been called by God to salvation would have come to salvation and there will be no more that needs to be saved. Then we had a look at a certain aspect of their ministry um, in that three and a half year period when they do come to the earth and we saw that their ministry is going to be a ministry of judgment. Now we're going to touch on the ministry to Israel uh, in today's teaching but in the previous teaching we saw primarily that their ministry is a ministry of judgment and we had a look at the passage of scripture in the book of Revelation. Because that is really the, the primary passage that reveals to us these two witnesses in the earth during that period. And we saw that in that passage of scripture that they pronounced judgment. We saw that there's a strong correlation between Elijah's ministry and when he was on the earth the first time and when he returns to the earth the second time. For we saw that there was a confrontation that took place between him and King Ahab. He goes into the, the, the introduction we have of Elijah in the scriptures is he goes into Ahab's court and he says, uh, there's not going to be any rain until I say so, and then he leaves Ahab's court. Now, when he makes that proclamation, we see that in the book, uh, book of James, I think it is, that the scripture reveals to us that there was a drought for three and a half years. Um, so when um, Elijah pronounced uh, over Israel, there will be no rain until I say so. That was for a period of three and a half years. Now that is very significant, obviously, because it's a type and shadow of what will take place when Elijah returns the second time, because he'll be ministering on the earth for three and a half years. And so it seems to be very clear that when, because there will be this uh, confrontation that will take place, we, will have, we had a look at it, at the, at the close of Elijah and the second uh, witness's ministry, there will be the confrontation that will take place between the Antichrist and these two prophets, and they will, uh, they will be killed by the Antichrist. Um, but prior to that, it seems that Elijah 
and the second witness will proclaim a judgment um, on the fourth kingdom stating that there will be no rain while they're on the earth and that's a period in three, three and a half years and we saw in that passage that the, the, the Lord has given them that power to uh, withhold rain from the earth and also to bring down many plagues at their will and so they will uh, be used of the Lord to pronounce judgment on the fourth kingdom because we said that during their reign the, kid, um, the Antichrist will be reigning from the temple over the fourth kingdom and instituting great persecution against Israel and against the saints of the Lord that fall within his realm and so we said in response to that the Lord's two prophets will then be pronouncing judgment on the kingdom of the Antichrist. And you know, they have the, the power to turn uh, water into blood and also to bring down as many plagues as they so desire. So it will be a very confrontational period in the fourth kingdom when the, the Antichrist is extending his reign in the earth, but at the same time having to deal with the Lord's two prophets who will be pronouncing judgment against him. But we said that they would be... Um, ministering in the wilderness they would not be ministering in the city of Jerusalem they will die in the city of Jerusalem for that is where the confrontation will take place at the end of their ministry the, the scripture reveals that to us um, but during their ministry they will be ministering in the wilderness just like John the Baptist the first time around when he came to the earth he ministered in the wilderness and Israel went out to him to be ministered to by him um, and it was only at the end of his ministry that he was brought into the city of Jerusalem and he was then beheaded. And so the, it's pretty much a similar scenario that will occur at the end of the age. Um, so we saw at the close of their ministry, um, and so you know, just to bring us into context, we said that when these two witnesses are manifested into the earth, the Antichrist and his um, realm would have already invaded or just invaded the nation of Israel and he would have set up his reign from the, king, uh, from the temple in Jerusalem. And so that's the scenario of this um, period when the two witnesses will be in fact ministering in the earth. And so that's why they will have no impact on the Gentile nations from the point of view of, because it's such a, um, a clear evidence to the church that our Lord is about to return because we know that when the two witnesses are revealed into the earth that there is a period of 3,200 days until our Lord in fact does return to the earth. Now that is just short of six and a half years. Three and a half years of that is their um, witness in the earth plus the Antichrist at the same time uh, reigning over the earth, his, his domain. Um, and then the church plus these two witnesses are taken out of the earth. And when that happens, then, the, power, then the, the wrath of God will be poured out on the earth for that three-year period. And then the church will return to the earth to reign with our Lord Jesus Christ when he comes back to the earth. So as I said, when the two witnesses are manifested in the earth, the church will know very clearly that the time is right at, uh, knocking at the door. Um, the Jews won't know that clearly just yet because we'll touch on that now but the church will and that is why they will have no impact on the church from the point of view of ministering to the church because the church will recognize just who they are straight away and so their ministry will, will be a ministry of judgment they at the close of their ministry we've said that they will go into the city of jerusalem how they go in we, the scripture doesn't tell us the scripture just says that they will be in the city of jerusalem they will be confronted by the antichrist and he will kill them 
um, the, and the Antichrist will leave their bodies, their dead bodies, in the streets of Jerusalem for three and a half days. Again, that's just a type and a shadow of three and a half year ministry. Um, at the end of that time, God will raise them from the dead and take them up into heaven in full view of everyone. Now, when that happens, the church will be caught away as well. And that is when the wrath of God will be poured out on the earth. The scripture does say that a great earthquake will occur in the city of Jerusalem at that time and 7,000 people will be killed. And that is the, the start of the wrath of God that will be poured out into the earth. And so that brings us up to speed as to where we want to touch on today. We want to look at the two witnesses ministry in the earth to the nation of Israel because that is their primary purpose for coming into uh, the earth in that time period is to bring Israel to salvation in Jesus their Messiah and so the scripture we'll open up with today is in Matthew chapter 24 verse 15 and 16 this is our Lord Jesus speaking about the end times and he says therefore when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place whoever reads let him understand then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. And then the other passage of scripture we want to look at is in Revelation chapter 12, verse 6 through to verse 14. Scripture says, Then the woman fled into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared by God, that they should feed her there 1,260 days. In verse 13. Now, when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness to her place, where she is nourished for a time, times, and half a time from the presence of the serpent. And so this is a picture of natural Israel when the Antichrist comes into invades Israel. We haven't yet got to look at that. We're going to look at the, the person of the Antichrist later in the series. And we're going to also look at the invasion of Israel later in the series. But uh, there's coming a time we dealt with Israel's borders being expanded. We dealt with the temple being rebuilt up to now in this series thus far. But there's coming a time when the Antichrist and his realm will invade the nation of Israel. Now, when they do that, they will, he will enter into the temple. That's where our Lord was speaking about when he said, When you see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, speaking of the temple that will still be, that is still to be rebuilt. Our Lord's counsel to the Jews at that time. He says, Let all those who are in Judea, flee to the mountains. Now I know there's a weird teaching out there that the Antichrist is going to rule over the whole earth and so all the Christians need to flee to the mountains and that's not the case. Our Lord is very specific. He says let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains because that's where the Antichrist's seat of reign will be in the earth and that's where the great persecution will break out against the earth. Now in this other passage we see a picture of the dragon being cast to the earth. Now that is obviously Satan himself. He gets cast down to the earth. And so this whole scenario is really uh, initiated in heaven. For the scripture, if you go read the account, war breaks out in heaven and Michael and his angels fight against Satan and his angels 
and they prevail against them and Satan and his angels are cast out of heaven to the earth. Now that's when this happens. When this happens, that is when the Antichrist will then be raised up in the earth. And so a whole scenario of things will take place during this time. But what we see in this passage of scripture is that the woman that he talks about being persecuted by the dragon, because the dragon is wanting to destroy her who gave birth to the male child, talking about Israel, talking about natural Israel, not the church. The church did not give birth to the male child. It was Israel that gave birth to the male child, the vehicle that God used in order to bring Jesus into the earth. And so this is talking about the Antichrist will the dragon through the Antichrist instituting great persecution against natural Israel. Now our Lord's counsel to them, when this happens, when he is manifested in the temple, that everyone is to leave uh, Judea straight away. Um, now not everyone will leave Judea straight away, but there will be quite a number who will recognize our Lord's warning and they will leave. Now, when they do, they go into the wilderness. Um, and the scripture says in verse four, uh, 6, sorry, Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days. Now, that 1,260 days is exactly the same timeline given to the Lord's two witnesses to minister on the earth, 1,260 days. Talks about a time, times and half a time. That's a three and a half year period. Now, the they that the Bible talks about here, because it says they should feed her there, 1,260 days. That's going to be the Lord's two witnesses. They will feed the, the, not the whole nation of Israel, because again, let's just go back to what I mentioned in the previous teaching. When John the Baptist came to the earth and ministered to uh, Israel, to prepare her for her coming Messiah. The vast majority of the Jews did not accept his teaching. Uh, a large percentage did, but the vast majority didn't. Um, and so when Elijah and the second witness come the second time to the earth, it'll be the same scenario. Or because we get confused because uh, Paul said, um, in the book of Romans, he said, when the fullness of the Gentiles have come in, then uh, the deliverer will come out of uh, Zion, and all Israel shall be saved. And so people say, okay, well, that means the whole nation will come to salvation in Christ. Well, that's not really the case. What will happen is all whom God the Father has appointed to salvation in, in the nation of Israel at that time will come to salvation in uh, Jesus Christ the Messiah, but not the whole nation. Um, because again, we just need to be discerning on this issue. All right, let me just try and paint a picture here. What we know that currently in the world today, that there are roughly 16 million Jews uh, across the planet in, in, in the earth today. Um, we know that there's just over 8 million Jews living in Israel currently. So there's just short of 8 million that are outside of the nation of Israel currently. We've seen in Scripture so far very plainly that God the Father is going to bring all the Jews into the nation, into that land of Israel. That's, we've seen that happening, and it's just going to continue until they're all there. So if we were to put 16 million Jews living in the nation of Israel, 
and the Antichrist now invades and sets up his uh, reign in the temple. Firstly, there's going to be a, a war that will take place, so a lot of them will, uh, there'll be a lot of uh, fatalities during that time. But we will not see 16 million Jews fleeing Judea to go and live in the mountains. Those mountains cannot accommodate 16 million people. Um, you know, very hard to hide 16 million people in, in, in the wilderness in that area if you just go look at a map geographically. And so, just again, um, it's not going to be the whole nation, but nevertheless, there will be a large percentage of them that will go into the wilderness. Now, when they do, they will be supernaturally provided for by the Lord's two witnesses. That's why the scripture says that they should feed her there, 1,260 days. Because these two witnesses, when we look at their, well, we know about Elijah, and I've already mentioned Moses, and so, it's, it, 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 again, um, well, I'm just going to leave it in mode. We're going to deal with the, the second witness now anyway. Um, but both prophets, when they were on the earth the first time, were used by God to supernaturally provide for their disciples. Moses, obviously, more so than Elijah did, because Moses was used of the Lord to provide for three and a half million Jews at that time in the wilderness every single day. The manna came down from heaven. So God fed the nation of Israel supernaturally for 40 years the first time around. He's going to do it again. For three and a half years, God will supernaturally provide for the um, nation of Israel that flee to the wilderness. And it will be through the vehicle of these two prophets used of the Lord, they will provide supernaturally for um, Israel during that three and a half year period. That's why it's, the scripture says they should feed her there. They will feed her there for the 1,000, no, sorry, 1,260 days. So it's all going to be done supernaturally, just like it was done at that time. Elijah, you recall, um, went to the widow and uh, the, God used him to feed her supernaturally. The oil and the, and the flour never ran out as long as Elijah was in her home. And so both counts, both prophets were used of God to provide supernaturally for people to be able to be sustained uh, with nourishment. Because the scripture says... Uh, where she is nourished for a time, times and half a time in, from the presence of the serpent. So that's how God is going to take care of uh, the Jews who flee to the wilderness um, during that three and a half year period. These two witnesses will be used of God to provide for them supernaturally, just like God did once before, he'll do it again. And that is how God will take care of them. And so it's during this time that Israel is, uh, flees to the wilderness and is in the wilderness for, for three and a half years, being um, supernaturally taken care of by the two witnesses. It is during that time that God will then minister to Israel through these two witnesses in bringing them to salvation in Jesus Christ, their Lord and, Mess and Messiah. And so that is pretty much God's timeline. Prior to that, prior to the Antichrist coming into the nation of Israel, invading her, and setting up his reign from the temple, and the Jews fleeing Jerusalem, and uh, fleeing Judea to go live in the wilderness. Prior to that, uh, the vast majority of the Jews will still not have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Now again, so far we've dealt with in this uh, series, 
is that more and more Jews are coming to faith in Christ, but it's still a very small, extremely minuscule percentage of the Jewish population. Uh, in Israel itself, it's estimated there's roughly 15,000 uh, Messianic Jews in the nation. Compare that to a population of 8 million, and you can see that the, you know, even though there's a vast growth there, it is still minuscule in comparison. Now, when this event takes place, when uh, the Antichrist invades Israel and uh, sets up his reign in the temple, that's still going to be the scenario that will exist in uh, Israel, that the Jews would not yet have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. They would not have accepted Jesus as Messiah. They will be um, faithfully serving God under the Old Covenant, observing the law of Moses. The temple will be in place. They will be offering daily sacrifice before the Lord. And so they will be um, pretty diligent in observing the laws of Moses at that time. But Jesus as their Messiah? No, they would not have accepted him as their Messiah. And a scripture we can pick up, our Lord kind of gives us insight into this area uh, when he was on the earth. He spoke about it. Matthew chapter 10, verse 23. Our Lord speaking, he says, When they persecute you in this city, flee to another. For assuredly, I say to you, you will not have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. And so this is a very uh, enlightening, uh, just a small brief comment that our Lord makes, but it's very enlightening for us. Because our Lord is, is speaking very specifically about the nation of Israel. You recall that our Lord said to us that we're to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature and make disciples of all the nations. And that we said, and we've dealt with that in the series so far. Um, and in the previous volume, that pretty much that has happened in the earth today, that the, the gospel has been preached throughout the earth. And every nation under, on the earth today, at some point in their history, has heard the gospel preached. And so, because our Lord said that the end cannot come until the gospel is preached in all the nations. And so we see that the gospel has been able to be proclaimed throughout the earth. Now, obviously, there are nations in the earth today that the gospel cannot be proclaimed in, Saudi Arabia being one of them. And so there are those enclaves where the gospel cannot be preached in. Nevertheless, in the past, you go back in their history, the gospel was preached at some time. But our Lord makes the comment about the nation of Israel, for he says to his disciples, when they persecute you in this city, flee to another. Now, he's talking about in in the nation of Israel at the time. And he says, For assuredly I say to you, you will not have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Now, if you go look at Israel on a map, it is absolutely minuscule in comparison to the globe, the rest of the earth. And so God has been able to proclaim His gospel throughout the earth, but He has still not yet been able to proclaim His gospel through the cities in the nation of Israel. And our Lord said that that won't happen. He said, you will not have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. And so we see very clearly that there is this resistance to the gospel of Jesus Christ in the nation of Israel. And it's very clear. You can go speak to the Messianic Jews that are living in Israel today. They come up against a brick wall. They just battle to get converts in that nation because there's this blindness that's there, obviously for the Gentiles, because... The scripture is very really plain that blindness in part has come upon the Jews so that the Gentiles can come into the kingdom. But when our, our time comes to a close, that's when their eyes are opened and they will get to see the gospel. But 
what the point is, is that up until the time that the Antichrist invades Israel and sets up his reign in the temple, Israel as a nation will not have accepted Jesus as Messiah. They will be observant of the law of Moses. They will still be under the old covenant, but they will not have. And that's why our Lord says, you guys wouldn't, you, you, you're not going to be able to go through all the cities of Israel to proclaim the gospel until I come. So how does Israel, if the gospel cannot be proclaimed in all of the cities of Israel before our Lord returns, how does the nation come to salvation? They come to salvation in that they leave their cities and they go into the wilderness. And it is in the wilderness that the two witnesses will then um, witness to them about salvation in Jesus the Messiah. And it's through that vehicle that they will then be added to the kingdom of God. It's not going to be through the preaching of the gospel in the cities of, of Israel. Jesus said it won't happen. Um, and you know, the Lord knows what he's talking about. And so it is only through the two witnesses uh, preaching to the Jews in the wilderness in that three and a half year period that Israel will then come to salvation in Jesus. Um, that they will recognize that it is um, Jesus who in fact is their Messiah and they will turn to him. Um, but it's during that period where they are forced to flee Judea uh, into the wilderness and thus encounter the Lord's two witnesses who will provide for them supernaturally and will also preach the gospel of salvation to them and they will then come into the kingdom of God through that vehicle. And so we can pick up some more scripture that just again highlights that truth to us because it's very clear to us in Scripture, that prior to the, the, the Jews encountering the two witnesses in the wilderness, they will be still blinded to the gospel. And so the vast majority of the Jews, when the Antichrist uh, invades, will not be Christians. They will still be Jews uh, under the Old Covenant. And so let's look at some Scripture along that line, uh, which just reinforces that truth to us. Uh, the passage of scripture we can look at is in Hosea chapter 12 verse um, 7 and 9. We're wanting to just confirm the truth that God will confront Israel in the wilderness. That's when God's going to bring Israel into salvation with Jesus. Uh, not before. Um, a small minority always, the remnant will always be there, yes. But the, the nation as a whole, no. That will only occur during this three and a half year period. Hosea chapter 12 verse 7 to 9 and the scripture says a cunning Canaanite deceitful scales are in his hand he loves to oppress verse 8 and Ephraim said surely I have become rich and have found wealth for myself in all my labors they shall find in me no iniquity that is sin verse 9 now God speaks but I am the Lord your God Ever since the land of Egypt, I will again make you dwell in tents as in the days of the appointed feast. And so this passage is very enlightening for us because it does highlight this uh, period, this time period that Israel is going to go through. The cunning Canaanite that the Lord refers to in this passage is in fact the person of the Antichrist. He is the one that is, uh, because he comes out of um, the fourth kingdom, we've already dealt with that issue. We'll look at him in more detail in the next uh, teaching. But he's the Antichrist. He loves to oppress. Now, that's verse uh, 7. So when it says that a cunning Canaanite, deceitful scales are in his hand, 
He loves to oppress. That's a description of the Antichrist when he invades Israel. Um, and obviously just prior to that. Verse 8 is a description of Israel at that time. And look what it says. And Ephraim said, this is Israel speaking, Surely I become rich, have found wealth for myself. In all my labors they shall find in me no iniquity that is sin. And so Israel will be very observant of the law of Moses just prior to this event taking place, of the, the invasion and the three and a half years when uh, Israel flees uh, into the wilderness. They will be very observant of the law of Moses and be deceived from the point of view that they say, in all my labors they shall find in me no iniquity that is sin. And so they will be deceived into thinking that they've attained their own righteousness before God because now they are really um, serving the Lord as Moses instructed them to. And so there is no sin there for them and they are now righteous before God. But look what God's response is in verse 9. But I am the Lord your God. Ever since the land of Egypt, I will again make you dwell in tents as in the days of the appointed feast. Now, so what is the Lord saying here when he says to Israel, ah, I'm the Lord your God and I'm going to make you live in tents again as, it, as you did in the days of the appointed feast. Well, the tents that our Lord is referring to is he's referring to the Feast of Tabernacles. And we can pick that up in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 42 to 43. Uh, the scripture says, you shall dwell in booths for seven days. All who are native Israelites shall dwell in booths, you, that your generations may know that I made the children of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. And so what happened was when Israel came out of Egypt, they lived in tents. Uh, for 40 years. They weren't meant to live in tents for 40 years, but nevertheless they did because they rebelled against God. But that's what that transpired, is that they came out of dwelling in, they were, they were, even though they were in bondage to the Egyptians, they still had homes that they lived in. Now that God brings them out, he brings, they, they live in tents. And so the Feast of Tabernacles was established by God. And one of the aspects of the Feast of Tabernacles is that for a seven-day period, Every time, every year they observe the feast, they had to, they, the Jews have to go and live in booths. Um, they build these, these um, shelters in their backyards, I suppose, in various locations, and they go live there to remind them that God has taken them out of Egypt and he made them live in tents during the time that he took them out of Egypt. But look at what God says in Hosea. In verse 9, let's go back again. He says, But I am the Lord your God ever since the land of Egypt. I will again make you dwell in tents. Now he's not talking because he says, as in the days of the appointed feast. So he's not talking, I'll make you go and observe the Feast of Tabernacles again. He says, I'm going to make you actually go live in tents again. So what does he mean? It's when that time comes when Israel is now forced to flee Judea and go live in the wilderness once again. That's exactly what happened in Egypt. They came out of Egypt and they lived in the wilderness in tents. God's going to do the same thing again. They will be forced to flee from Judea into the wilderness and God will once again make them live in tents. And so that's the, the picture that God is now showing Israel. And it really only pertains to Israel. It doesn't pertain to the Christians living in the rest of the world. That's not the case for us at all. And so... That's the, the state. We said that Israel will not have come to salvation in Jesus by the time the two witnesses appear in the earth. 
Um, they will be observant of the law of Moses and deceived into thinking that they have now obtained righteousness before God because now they've got the, the temple built, they're doing their daily sacrifice, they're really serving God uh, to the best of their ability. But God says, no, I'm going to once again make you guys live in tents. And that's when happens. When this happens, when the cunning Canaanite comes into Israel, stands in the temple and proclaims himself as being God. That, the abomination of desolation that our Lord Jesus Christ spoke about. Now, when that happens, this is what will take place. Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 35 and 36. God again speaking to the nation of Israel. And this is what he says. And I will bring you into the wilderness of the peoples, and there I will plead my case with you face to face, just as I pleaded my case with your fathers in the wilderness of the land of Egypt. So I'll plead my case with you, says the Lord God. And so we see a very clear picture of what God is going to be doing, is that at this time, his two witnesses will be in the wilderness waiting for the children of Israel. They will be driven into the wilderness because of the persecution of the Antichrist. The two witnesses are the two that will face-to-face uh, -face plead with Israel to bring them into salvation through their Messiah, Christ Jesus. Just as Moses was used of the Lord and Moses and Aaron were used of the Lord to plead with the, the nation of Israel in the wilderness of Egypt, now, if you go look at the, the passage of Scripture, that initially they did believe, but then they rebelled. Um, that won't happen this time. When they believe this time, they will come into the kingdom of God. But nevertheless, this is when Israel's salvation takes place. In this three and a half year period, under the two witnesses' ministry, they will be providing for them supernaturally, and at the same time, they will be bringing um, Israel into salvation with Jesus Christ. So it's not a case of Jesus himself coming down and speaking to Israel face to face. Not at all. He'll be speaking to them through his two prophets, and they will come to salvation in Jesus through the preaching of his two prophets when they are in the wilderness. Um, so that's the timeline. That's when Israel is going to come into salvation with our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the first fruits of salvation in, at this time will be the 144,000. Now, you know, we're not going to really deal with the 144,000 in any depth because their ministry is really pertains to the time when uh, the wrath of God will be poured out on the earth during the three-year period that the church is taken out of the earth. Um, the 144,000, if you go look at scripture, it's very plain. They will be left behind on the earth and they will be ministering in the earth. We're not going to touch on their ministry. But what I do want to touch on is the fact that uh, it is through the ministry of the two witnesses that the 144,000 will be brought into the kingdom of God. And they are the first fruits, the scripture says, of the nation of Israel that will be added to uh, the kingdom of God during that time. Let's have a look at the passage, and then we can just uh, elaborate on it slightly. Revelation chapter 14, verse 1 through to 4. The scripture says, Then I looked, and behold, a lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having his father's name written on their foreheads. Verse 4. These are the ones who were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. They are the ones who follow the lamb wherever he goes. These were redeemed from among men, being firstfruits to God and to the Lamb. 
And so these 144,000 will be the first of the disciples that will convert to salvation in Jesus under the ministries of the Lord's two witnesses, obviously Elijah being the, the, the one, and Moses will be the other one as we will have a look at Scripture now. But it is the 140, it's at that time that the 144,000 will be brought into the kingdom of God. And they will meet certain criteria. They will be virgins. They will be uh, completely sold out to God. And uh, we're not going to touch on them in any kind of depth, as I say. I just wanted to highlight the fact that it's at this time, because they are the first fruits of Israel coming into the kingdom of God. So the whole nation, and again, it's not going to be the whole 16 million, but it will be a large percentage of the Jewish nation at that time they will come to salvation in Christ. But the first fruits of the, those who come into salvation at that time will be this 144,000. They will be the first of the disciples of the Lord's two witnesses added to the kingdom of God. And so that now brings us to the second witness. Who is the second witness? I've already alluded to it. Obviously, it's Moses. And so the first passage we can look at is in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 11. This is just to, obviously, we understand Elijah is the one witness. And the reason for that is because Elijah has never died. He went straight up to heaven, never tasting death. And so we pick up that passage in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 11. The scripture says, Then it happened, as they continued on and talked, that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by whirlwind into heaven. And so we all know very clearly that Elijah has not tasted death. He's, he's in heaven right now. And he has never died physically. For God took him up into heaven alive. Now there is another prophet that God did that as well. He didn't take up uh, the other prophet. is Enoch. Um, Enoch was the seventh from Adam. And so Enoch was a prophet under the first age, even before um, Abraham came on the scene. So it was just prior to, well not just prior, but in the period um, before the flood. Enoch was a prophet in the earth in those days. Um, Enoch uh, pleased the Lord and so the Lord took him up into heaven and Enoch has never tasted any death. And so people say, okay, well that means that really it should be Elijah and Enoch who are the two witnesses because those two prophets have never tasted physical death. Um, and so from that point of view, I mean Enoch does fit the bill because he is a prophet of the Lord. He never, he never died. God took him straight up into heaven. We know very little about Enoch. We see uh, one of his prophetic utterances given to us, I think it's in the book of Jude, about the Lord returning with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment on the earth. Um, we know that he pleased God. We know that he was taken up into heaven um, because he walked by faith. And because his faith was that strong, apparently, that is why God uh, took him up into heaven. So it is, it is possible. And again, this is not a, a, a you know, a do, we, we don't need to be dogmatic about this particular point because whether the second witnesses, witness proves to be Moses or Enoch is really immaterial to the church from the point of view of their ministry at that time. But we're going to look at the second witness and certain criteria that the second witness must meet in order to uh, be in that place and... When we look at it and we examine scripture, it does not look like Enoch fits the bull. But let's just have a look at what the scripture does say on the subject. And so, so we have the, 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 the two candidates that are put forward uh, by and large by, by Bible scholars. Is the one is Moses and the other one is Enoch. Enoch, as we say, 
because he's never tasted physical death, that Enoch is put forward as the one candidate. But Moses is also a very strong candidate. Because don't forget, we're dealing with ministering to who? The Jews. So who are the two prophets that ministered to? The, the Jews didn't know Enoch. Enoch was a Gentile. Enoch was not a Jew. Um, and so God, I don't think, will use a Gentile to go bring Jews into the kingdom. He, if he could have done that, he would have used the Gentiles today to bring them in. But he, there, that's not the case. So that's another aspect. The Jews do have a, a huge respect for Moses as a prophet and obviously Elijah. Because don't forget, they have to overcome this mindset that, you know, Jesus, our Messiah, they've just not accepted him up until this time. So what are these two prophets going to be able to put across, bring to the table, that's going to convince this nation that, well, okay, okay, Jesus actually is the Messiah. Enoch, they don't really know. Moses, they do. Um, and so let's have a look at how, uh, in this, I'm very strong on the point that it is Moses who is the second witness. And I'm going to just show you the scriptures that kind of point to the fact that Moses is the second witness. Obviously, Elijah is a done deal. Everybody acknowledges Elijah is the, the one witness. The passage we can look at is in Exodus chapter 34, verse 35. The scripture says, And whenever the children of Israel saw the face of Moses that the skin of Moses' face shone. Then Moses would put a veil on his face again until he went in to speak to him, speaking about speaking unto God. And so what happened here is that Moses had gone into the presence of the Lord for a total period of 80 days. He went up for 40 days initially. He came down with the tablets. The Jews were um, playing harlotry and they were worshipping this golden calf. Moses lost it and smashed the tablets. Had to go back up the mountain again to get the tablets. He spends another 40 days up there with the Lord. Now, having spent 80 days in the presence of God, what happened is the body of Moses had changed. His body had begun to reflect the glory of God to that point that it, it shone. So much so that the Jews couldn't look at him anymore. And so when he spoke to the Jews, he had to put a physical veil over his face so that they could speak to him because they couldn't look at him that the glory of God was that strong shining through him. So his body had physically changed during this time period. Now that uh, uh, physical change to his body never went away. For the rest of his life, Moses had to put a veil over his face when he spoke to the children of Israel. Uh, he could only take it off when he went into the presence of God because obviously um, you know, he was in the presence of that kind of glory anyway. So that's the physical change that took place in the physical body of Moses. Uh, it didn't take, take, take place in his heart. He hadn't been born again. We know that. But his physical body had been altered. So much so that this is what happened. Deuteronomy verse 34, 5 to 6. The scripture says, So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. Verse 6. And he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor, but no one knows his grave to this day. Now this is a very interesting point. God buried Moses' body. Moses left his body, because when Moses died, he departed to be with, the, uh, um, with his fathers. Our Lord said, you will join your fathers. And so that, that's what happened to Moses, but his body gets left behind. 
Now, this is the only person in Scripture where God himself, and it wasn't obviously the person of God, God sends his angel, Michael, we'll look at the Scripture now, to bury the body of Moses. God didn't do that with any other saint ever, but he does it with this saint. Why does he do that? Because this body is, is special. This body cannot decay. It has to be housed separately and, and, and God has hidden it to, to in a place that no one else knows. But God obviously knows where it is. Jude gives us some insight into this. Jude chapter 1 verse 9. Well, there is only one chapter in Jude. But anyway, the scripture says, Yet Michael, the archangel, in contending with the devil when he disputed about the body of Moses, did not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke you. So now what had happened is that Moses had died. And so Moses' body was left behind. And God dispatches his, his archangel Michael to go and bury that body because God recognizes that Moses' body can't decay anymore because God, Moses' body has been so altered by being in the presence of God for that 80-day period that it's changed permanently. Cannot be, it cannot decay. And so God dispatches Michael. But now, look who wants access to that body. Satan himself wants that body. Why? Because Satan recognizes that this body can't, can't die. And so Satan wants this body. And obviously the, the, the dispute breaks out, but God will reign in the issue. And so Michael gets to bury Moses' body in a place where no one knows except God himself. And obviously uh, God's angel Michael, and all that realm, okay? Satan doesn't even know where it is anymore. Um, but the point is, that body can't die. Now, tasting death, the death that Moses experienced is that he just left his body behind. But the body didn't die. That body is still in exactly the same state as it was then. Otherwise, God wouldn't have worried about giving it to uh, Satan. Have the body, it's going to decay. Um, you know, what's Satan going to do? It's just going to turn to dust. No, God recognized, just as Satan did, this body's never going to die. This body's never going to decay. It will not return to dust. And so this body is a special body. It's the only one that's a, has a, that has this quality, that it, it has never died and never decayed, never experienced corruption. And so what will happen is that Moses will come back with Elijah, and Moses will just enter into his same old body. And so that body still has to die. But let's look at some other scripture that just again, we're just pointing, we're seeing that there's just so much scripture that kind of points to the fact that it actually is Moses who is the second witness. And I said the one, is that Moses is the Jew. Enoch was not a Jew, Enoch's a Gentile. Um, Moses' body has never decayed. It cannot decay because of the uh, exposure it has had to the glory of God. But look at this other passage of scripture, Luke chapter 9, verse 30 and 31. The scripture says, And behold, two men talked with him, speaking of Jesus, who were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his decease, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. And so here we see that God the Father has deemed it um, pertinent that two of the Lord's saints were considered worthy enough by God the Father to come and converse with his son as he was about to go to the cross and speak about what was going to transpire. Who are those two uh, anointed ones that God chooses? 
Moses and Elijah. He doesn't choose Enoch and Elijah. He chooses Moses and Elijah to come and converse with the Lord Jesus and discuss with him what he was about to accomplish on the cross. Clearly, these two men are the two anointed ones that, that stand with the Lord Jesus Christ because they're the ones that Jesus conferred with on this particular occasion and God um, deemed it that these were the two that Jesus would then speak to, speak about prior to going to the cross. So let's have a look at what the, the scripture says about these two anointed ones. The scripture is in Zechariah chapter 4 verse 11 to 14. This is the first time we see these two anointed ones being mentioned in scripture. Um, and the scripture says, Then I answered and said to him, what had happened is God had given Zechariah a vision and he had now seen the, this vision of these two lampstands and these two olive, tree, olive trees. And so he's trying to understand what is the significance. Who are these two lampstands? Who are these two olive trees? And he keeps asking the angel the same question. He actually asks it, asks it three times if you go read the passage. And the angel kind of doesn't answer, doesn't answer, and then finally answers. And we're picking up on, on the answer now. Uh, verse 11 again, sorry. The scripture says, Then I answered and said to him, Zechariah speaking to the angel, What are these two olive trees at the right of the lampstand and at its left? So they're standing on both either side of the lampstand. The lampstand is referring to Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 12, And I further answered and said to him, What are these two olive branches that drip into the receptacles of the two gold pipes from which the golden oil drains? Verse 13, Then he answered me and said, do you not know what these are? And I said, no, my Lord. Verse 14. So he said, these are the two anointed ones who stand beside the Lord of the whole earth. The Lord of the whole earth is our Lord Jesus Christ. And so the two anointed ones are these two anointed individuals that God has chosen to stand beside our Lord Jesus Christ at all times. Those are the two who came to speak to him prior to him going to the cross. And we pick it up again, they mention once again in the book of Revelation, chapter 11, verse 3 and 4. And I will give power to my two witnesses. These are the two witnesses we've been dealing with in this uh, series, these two teachings. And they will prophesy 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. And so that's the two olive trees that Zechariah saw, and that's the two olive trees that the Apostle John is seeing. And both are the two anointed ones who stand beside the Lord of the whole earth, talking of our Lord Jesus Christ, and it's referring to Moses and Elijah. They are the two anointed ones. They are the two witnesses. They were the two that will come to the earth in the, in the last days and witness and minister in the earth for three and a half years in the wilderness to the nation of Israel and bring multitudes of that nation to faith in Christ Jesus as their Messiah. 144,000 will be their, among their first converts. They will be the first fruits of the Jews coming in to the kingdom under their ministry. Both prophets, when they were on the earth the first time, were used of the Lord to, in the operation of the working of miracles. The two prophets who come in the, in the, at the, in the end days will very clearly demonstrate the working of miracles. For they will call down plagues on the nations of the earth. They will withhold rain. They will provide supernaturally for the children of Israel. 
they, they fit the bill completely, these two prophets. And it, so it, it is these two witnesses who will be used of God during that time to bring Israel to faith in the Messiah, Jesus Christ. At the close of their ministry, as we've said, they will go into the city of Jerusalem. How that happens, we don't know. Um, but their confrontation will then take place between them and the Antichrist. The Antichrist will overcome them and kill them. For three and a half days, their bodies will lie in the streets of Jerusalem, not being buried. At the end of the three and a half days, God our Father, our Lord Jesus, will raise them back to life and take them up into heaven to be with Him. But at the same time, the church at that time will then be taken out of the earth and will also be with our Lord Jesus Christ for all eternity. It is at that time that the wrath of God will then begin to be poured out on the earth, beginning with the, the earthquake in the city of Jerusalem where 7,000 will be killed. And for that three-year period, the wrath of God will be poured out on the earth, including the Antichrist and his reign and his kingdom in the earth. And that is very clear to us in Scripture as well. But we're not going to be touching on that in the series. The next uh, teaching we want to look at in this series is we want to look at the person of the Antichrist himself and also the false prophet and how they are made manifest in the earth and their ministry for that three and a half year period as well. Um, because we said we've had the, we have the two ministries taking place side by side. The two witnesses to the Jews and also judgment in the earth and then the Antichrist himself persecuting the Jews and persecuting the church and trying to extend his kingdom in the earth. But that we'll look at in the next uh, teaching and we're going to close the teaching on that particular point today.